Welcome back to the Nebraska Abilities Podcast. My name is Zach, and I am once again joined by my co-hosts, Nate and Andy. And we are here to uh, talk about the 34-3 smackdown that was uh, given to Nebraska and Ann Arbor against Michigan. They uh, definitely were the number three team in the country, and we were definitely not a uh, number three team in the country. And you could tell by watching this game because Michigan had their way with us and did everything they wanted to do, uh, which ironically enough looked just quick thought for me was the most vanilla offense I've ever seen, which I think speaks more to Nebraska than it does Michigan because they did not do anything flashy. They didn't really do anything crazy. They just ran the ball and they did easy passes and they won the game by 31 points. Uh, which also brings up the point that Vegas spread makers are geniuses. Um, so whoever was betting on that game either got a really good payout or lost a lot of money. But with that, um, I don't have too much to quickly talk about because there's not a whole lot to talk about because I think this uh, outcome was pretty well expected from the Huskers. Uh, but obviously you guys can agree or disagree with me on that one, but we can get into that by starting with the offense, and I will pass to Andy to get us uh, going. Yeah, so uh, there's, like you said, Zach, not a super ton to talk about in terms of offense. Uh, Nebraska only encompassed a total of 156 total yards on the day, which, um, if you know anything about football, is generally not going to win you all a whole lot of games or even keep you in a whole lot of games. Um, we all knew, you know, we talked about last week, we all knew that this kind of game, I think, by both sides was felt like, yeah, it's on the schedule. We got to play it. Let's just go out there and play this type of game. And I think the biggest takeaway for me is, I think if Nebraska had any sort of competent offense to push Michigan, Michigan probably would have panicked more and probably changed up their game plan more because like you said, Zach, it looked like they were just going through the motions of just like running plays and just doing like an offense because I sure uh, Harbaugh knew that, you know, they, they weren't going to need to do anything fancy. Like they were just going to go out, run the ball and, push us around because they knew they were better than us. And that I mean, honestly, if Michigan plays like that in a couple weeks against Ohio state, I mean, give me Ohio state by like 30 points because if they did not look that good on offense. Now I'm sure that's going to change when they game plan for Ohio state different than the game plan against us. But I wasn't like overly impressed with Michigan in terms of just how they looked. Um, now, obviously, that all goes back to us being a very bad football team because we are. But it just it felt like Michigan entered that game just like, yeah, we're, we're here because you're on our schedule to play this game. Let's just play this and get up, like get out of here. I'm sure we felt as fans the same way, too. The team probably didn't feel that way, but that's kind of how I approach this game. It's like, OK, let's just play. Let's just get over. Let's get on to the next week type thing. Um, and Michigan showed that more than they probably should have. I mean, I felt like that game easily could have been 56 to three or 56, nothing. Um, the fact that it was only 34 to three, that's probably why it didn't impress me that much with Michigan of what they did. And 
I mean, even before we knew they weren't going to do a whole lot other than run the ball. But, you know, I feel like if, you know, we got any sort of like pressure in the backfield or just any sort of pressure on the quarterback, you know, you got you force Michigan to try to change their game plan and try to you know throw them off kilter if we had any sort of competent offense at the same time uh, to keep up. But obviously we know our offense is bad. Um, you know, I think we all went into that game knowing like, oh, you know, you have to start Logan. You have to start somebody other than Chubba because Chubba's not doing it. And then Chubba comes out on the first series and like the collective groan from everybody's like, oh, here we go. Like, you know, nobody listened to the adults in the room. Why are we starting Chubba again? Um, and he came out. You know, he kind of looked good. I mean, he made a couple good throws, a couple bad throws at the same time. Uh, but overall, I mean, Chuba didn't look terribly bad. Um, he still wasn't great, but uh, I know Zach had we alluded this kind of off air is, you know, once Chuba started kind of getting to any sort of rhythm, it looked like, okay, things are moving. And it did move on that drive because it got us down at the field goal range. It got us our only three points of the game. You know, now the side note of that is, you know, Chubba on a weird, awkward slide, you know, gets hurt. Um, as we later found out today from Mickey that, you know, Chubba is out with a high ankle sprain. He's going to need surgery in the next two days. So he's done for the year, which yippee. We'll get to that carousel later because I have a lot more thoughts about that. But regardless, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. It's like, you know, kick, kick us while we're down. I mean, the minute that this team has any sort of good thing going for them, any sort of momentum, something weird happens and it gets all like just taken away. And then we're back to square one. Uh, It just, it felt like that the entire game. Um, And then as we later found out, Logan comes in and then Mickey had said after the game, and I know that I texted you guys like sometime with the fourth quarter that I'm like, 50 bucks that they say after the game that Logan was either somewhat dinged up or somewhat hurt, which is why he didn't start. And that's the first thing Mickey said after the game was, yeah, we didn't start Logan because he's been dinged up this entire week. And I'm like, wow, who would have thunk that was weird, but it's, it's just so frustrating. And I'll get into this later because I have a lot more thoughts on the whole quarterback situation and the entire team in general. But yeah, offensive-wise, that was the only points of the game. The only positivity that we took away from the game is that drive that we kind of looked any sort of competent on offense. Logan or Chubba goes down. Logan comes in, kind of stalls for three plays, and we kick a field goal. Uh, to not get shut out, um, an extends Nebraska streak of 337 consecutive games of scoring points in a game. So we got that going for us if we're looking for any sort of optimism with <laughs> <laughs> this team uh but with that uh we'll pass it to nate if you have any first half offensive thoughts before we kind of dive into more if you guess you could talk about you know whipple getting taken out as well yeah that's kind of where i was gonna go is uh there wasn't a whole lot of good from the offense it was pretty uh i mean like like you said chubba chubba actually looked like a respectable backup quarterback wasn't fantastic, but he was making a few throws here and there, making some plays with his legs. And I mean, was at least trying to keep us within spitting distance in that first half there. But then obviously he got injured. And then not too long after uh, Whipple took an arrow to the knee and 
really <laughs> set us back. I felt now, there's like, a uh, reference. <laughs> uh, set us back for kind of the rest of the game. I think we, I don't know if it was just personnel that weren't in there, but uh, I know play calling, I think fell to probably Mickey. I don't think it was ever confirmed who exactly got play calling after that, but it, I mean, I, I suppose you're probably limited, you know, with your third string quarterback, just kind of hoping for the best. But uh, yeah, seeing seeing uh, Whipple go down was definitely not good. I know he was wincing, he was in pain. Hopefully he's feeling a little better. I don't know. I haven't heard actually about uh, whatever happened with him. It's, Mickey had said today that the next two games he'll be calling plays from the booth. Okay. So he's not going to be on the field anymore, which I mean, he didn't say the extent of his injury or like what it was, but at least that he'll be able to still call plays just from the booth um, and not on the sideline. But I had that thought too of like of any coach and any person to get hit on that sideline. It's the oldest guy on that sideline that gets taken yep. out. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I'm like, it's just, again, just our luck. Like when one thing goes bad, everything tumbles afterwards with this program. Yeah, and I remember even texting the group chat because I was just watching out of the corner of my eye, and I was like, "Oh, whoever on the sideline just got yeeted." And I think Andy was like, "Yeah, that was Whipple." Like, oh no, of all the coaches, <laughs> there's only one other coach that you didn't want to get caught in that crossfire, and it'd be our head coach at this point. Right? Unfortunately, it's number two in charge, basically. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, just. A comedy of errors by Nebraska. Um, that's about all I've got to say. <laughs> I'll go ahead and pass it over to Zach for any of uh, his thoughts. It's rough being a Husker fan lately. Obviously, I've I've said that before, and I'll continue to say it. But this kind of just this game, I think, solidified that I'm on two different tracks when it comes to football. I'm ready for Nebraska football to be over, just so we can. Start looking at next year with whoever the new head coach is going to be and all that, you know, all that jazz that comes with it. But I'm not excited for college football to be towards towards the end of the season because I like college football. And, you know, watching this team for the last decade has just been rough because we just have not been good. And it, uh, yeah, I mean, this offense showed me nothing. Outside of, you know, Chubba looking almost good there for a while, but then again, as soon as he started looking good, we just derail. He gets hurt, and not only that, then our offensive coordinator literally goes down um, and gets carted off the field, I think that was at halftime. Yep. So, yeah, it was just, it's it's uh, a downhill slide, and, you know, Nebraska players and coaches and everything. I apparently at this point want to see who gets to the bottom first. Um, I know that's not their goal. They're not trying to push us below rock bottom, but you know, some days it's like, it's, it's almost like if we could just get it out of our own way, maybe we'd have some more, maybe we'd have some more success. But again, I think like I mentioned earlier, I think we've all alluded to, it's kind of the, the known quantity here was we played the number three team in the country and I guess the positive I can take from the offense is that, you know, we 
didn't let them score 60 on us, but that's a defensive thing. So I, I don't know. I, I do think uh, to the point of them not scoring as much as we thought they were going to um, as, as well as us not scoring much is probably the weather. I know when it started, it wasn't very good, um, especially when we've been playing in, you know, 80 degree weather, 90 degree weather for basically the whole season up until now where, you know, weather seems to have just taken a, a wild turn lately because uh, we're getting into the winter season part. So, yeah, I don't really have anything else to attach to offense. Um, it's it, <laughs> we did have another random Ramirez sighting, which was great. Twice. Um, <laughs> twice. <Yeah. laughs> uh, so those are nice. Um, yeah, I, I think that's I just succumb to the idea of let's Let's wrap up the year. Let's let's see what we can do with these last two games. Let's get our new head coach announced, whoever it is, and let's move on to next year because I'm ready for that. <laughs> I'll I'll watch the rest of the college football season. Right. You know, because I like college football, but Nebraska, I think it's time to I think it's time to call it a year. So <laughs> with that, I'll pass it back to Andy. Yeah. So uh we'll a little more optimism track before we divulge into more rambling. Uh, no turnovers for the offense, so it's a round of applause for everybody. You know, with offense stalls and doesn't go anywhere uh, unless you turn the ball over, you know, no turnovers for the offense. So limited plays equals no turnovers. So I guess that's one way you look at it. Um, but, I mean, defensive-wise, uh, I think the one player that really stood out to me, uh, I guess two, uh, Ernest Hausman, I think, is going to be a stud. I mean, he played, he looked really good on defense. He played fast. He played hard and physical. He didn't give up. The kid's only a freshman. So whoever comes in, if they can get him to stick around and stay, I mean, him and I think Isaac Gifford's also a freshman or sophomore somewhere in that range. Um, I mean, I think if you get both of those linebackers to stay and like keep buying into the defense and the program. I mean, I think they're going to be really good football players. Um, I mean, Ernest, I know they had said all off season, like, you know, Houseman is just the guy, like he just keeps grinding. He'll get his time eventually. And, you know, the trade off of that was Henrich getting hurt um, for Houseman to finally get some playing time, which I mean, that's just how it is, but he looked really good. I thought, um, and then, yeah, you know, Michigan didn't pass the ball too much either, but, for the times that they did pass against Hardzog, I mean, the kid has been through the up and downs of being a starting freshman corner, essentially. And we've seen that this season. You know, he got burned at Oklahoma. He got burned against Rutgers a few times, but um, he played, I think they threw at him three or four times against or at Michigan, and I don't think a single reception was caught for when they threw at Hardzog. Uh, so. I mean, I think he's developed a lot just, you know, within these few games as he's actually been starting to play and starting more on the defense. So I think he's going to be another guy to keep an eye on just as uh, the defense develops and hopefully he'll stay too. Um, and the reason I just say hopefully with all these younger guys, because I mean, there's just so much uncertainty with the program right now of nobody knows who's coming in next. Nobody knows if like, you know, if they stay like who's going to be brought in to maybe replace them if the new head coach doesn't like what they're doing currently. Obviously, Mickey and his staff have faith in the current players, but there's no say if whoever's brought in that that certain coach is going to say the same thing about what they are right now, too. So uh, 
I think, you know, just positives from the defense. I think both those guys looked really good. You know, them being freshmen and playing as well as they did, you know, against the number three team in the nation uh, proved that, you know, there's a lot of upside and development. Like as long as they keep developing well, which we know that is a very big issue within our program, as we have seen uh, that they're, I mean, I think they're going to have bright futures ahead of them. Uh, but, you know, outside of that defense, obviously, you know, give up 34 points, you know, to be expected. Um, I know that they, it just, it shows the disparity and the lack of like, as Zach has always alluded to in the past, the strength and conditioning of this team. I know I saw a tweet earlier when from Brian Christofferson, who kind of like retweeted this back when Frost and Chenander were first at Michigan in 2018, where we got rocked like 56 to 10 in that game or something. And we all declared that was rock bottom, quote unquote, for this program. Obviously, we knew it could. Take- oh, how little we knew. <laughs> little we knew that it could go much further down than that. But at the time uh, when they got to Michigan and they were doing pregame warmups, I know Chenander had turned to Brian Christofferson and said like, yeah, these Michigan players compared to us are like a lot bigger and a lot stronger. And it's just kind of like a rude awakening to the big 10. Like this is what this is type thing. You know, we got to work and develop that to compete in the big 10 over the next coming years. As we have found out that never happened either. So nice, uh, nice little recognition there, but you know, I think that, I mean, it's still evident today and it's still evident during that game is that these players on every other Big Ten team that's not Nebraska, they develop and they get developed to the Big Ten system. They're big, they're strong, they bully you around and they play bully football until they wear you down and start to finally score. We saw that against Illinois. We saw that against Minnesota. We saw that against Michigan. Probably going to happen the next two games because these defenses are going to be the exactly same thing that we're going to see on offense. And the same exact thing on off uh, on defense for both sides. But it's just that's the frustrating part about the entire program is that whoever comes in is going to like, I do not have much optimism that we will win three games next year. I mean, you're going to have so much raw, like roster turnover. You're going to have so much rebuild to do i mean i as much as i don't want to say like one at 11 i mean there's a real possibility they start one at 11 in the face next year too because mickey had alluded that today as in his press conferences like whoever is gonna have to come in here is gonna have to do a lot of roster management a lot of work um because he has been here what eight weeks now he knows and he has seen firsthand how much change and how much rebuild we are going to need as a program. And whether it's him or whether it's somebody else that comes in the program, he knows that whoever takes this over, it's going to be such a long haul and such a long process. And I think that's the reality as Husker fans that we have to look in the mirror and recognize like, you know, as much as we want to go to a bowl game next year and, you know, the new hire is going to bring so much optimism. I think at the same time, there's got to be a hard reality check that, that's probably not going to be a possibility next year, maybe in two years, but there's just, there's so much work that has to be done. And Mickey, I, I think Mickey said after the game, there's like Michigan is what he wants 
the Nebraska team to look like. He wants to go in there and bully and play bully football and just run it down your throat, push you around on both sides of the ball until they wear you down until they score. That is Mickey's idea. And that is Mickey's vision of what he wants his head coach, like what his team wants to be. And right now, Nebraska is light. I don't want to say light years away, but we are like years behind in that program. You know, as much as we don't want to be a, a history revisionist, I mean, that's what made Nebraska great in the 80s and 90s. Is we were the first ones to develop that. We were the first ones to play that bully type football. Everybody else caught up and started advancing. Nebraska stayed there and started not advancing, essentially. Obviously, we know the past 22 years. It's just, it's one of those to where it's going to take such a long rebuild process for this entire team. And uh, it's just, it's so frustrating that we as fans are the ones that have to accept this product that we're being given. Um, and I know Trev knows that too. I know he's going to make the hire that is right for the program. That's right. That fits with his ideals of what he wants in a team, whether that's Mickey or whether that's somebody else. But at the same time, I mean, I don't, I don't know where you can look at the idea of, yeah, this team might do something good. Like, no, this is a very bad football team. I think this team is worse than last year by far. And I almost want to say that if, you know, Scott loses a lot more of those games by more than one score last year, I don't think he's makes it to the end of the season or that he is fired at the end of the season. I think the only reason he kept his job is because all of those scores were one score games. And they, like, there were some maybe sort of promise that he might turn it around. Obviously we know that didn't work. Um, but I think that is what saved Scott's job last year, looking at this now, because this current football team we have, I think is worse than last year. It's probably worse than what we've had the entire time Scott is here. And the reason that it is bad is because of Scott and because of all the coaches and the programs that he had in place. I mean, this whole, I mean, none of this is Mickey's fault. He was given a, I mean, yeah, he was just given a very bad platter and a very bad program to inherit. And he has to deal and he has to try to make these changes. No one blames Mickey. You can hundred percent blame Scott. You can hundred percent blame all the coaching staff that was here prior that led to this point that we are right now in this program. We are further than rock bottom, I believe. And I believe there, there is still more to go down because we probably will see it go down more. I mean, next year is going to be rough. I mean, you start the game at Minnesota next year. I mean, you're going to have a new head coach, an entirely new offense. I mean, Casey might be back next year. Casey might not be back next year. You know, you don't even know what the offensive line looks like. You don't even know if Trey Palmer's going to stay. I, will, I mean, I know we touched on that. He, Mickey touched on that news today, but I, right now, it's very frustrating that we, as Husker fans, don't realize that, like, I mean, I'm sure some of us realize that we're a very bad program, but I don't think we truly realize how much worse it is going to get and how much longer it's going to take to rebuild what we were given. I, Scott severely messed up this entire program. And I'm fairly confident in saying that because of what we are shown now. If he had any sort of development and player talent, we would not be, what, three and seven we would not have had six straight losing seasons, which we currently are right now, which is tied for what third all time or tied for second all time. I think, yeah, of what that stat I wrote down, 
you know, this is Nebraska's. <laughs> we're tied for second for consecutive losing seasons. And we'll probably get to seven next year because unless a miracle of like Urban Meyer comes in next year and suddenly reforms this entire program, I don't think we're going to a bowl next year. I don't. We'll be lucky to win three games again. It's it's not even that the schedule doesn't like favor us. I mean, it slightly kind of doesn't favor us and it slightly does. But if you keep the current iteration of players and you don't develop them and you don't get the right coaching staff, the right guys in here, we are going to be bad next year. And I know that I sent that to you guys earlier as like, I'm at the point where like I'm psychotically laughing inside to hide the pain because that is exactly how I feel. I mean, that's the, like the only thing you can do. Like we got the news today that shovels out the rest of the year. Casey might be practicing, you know, some backup quarterback I've never heard might be the starter this week. And I'm like, we are, we are the biggest laughing stock in college football world right now. And everybody knows it despite, you know, Robert Griffin going on Twitter and saying, that's the best job opening in the country right now. And that very well might be so, but I don't think any outside candidate knows how much work has to be done when they come in here. They might say they do, but I don't think they realize how bad it is here. Mickey had said that today as like he's eight weeks into the job and he knows what already has to be done. He's been trying to work on that already, but he knows that no matter what happens here, like it's going to be a super long haul process of what has to be redone and rebuilt with this program. I think I've rambled enough. There still might be more that comes out later because the, the, the QB situation too, like why, why do we have Matt Masker and not play him at all? We also have um, what's his other what's the other guy's name? Henrich. Henrich Harbaugh. 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 Yeah. Why do we have those two guys that have been on the staff or like the room the past two to three years? Both of and which they haven't seen the field at all. Both of which were actually touted, and I mean this was by Scott, mind you, but right. like, both of those guys were like <laughs> people that he was proud of. So it's like. Yep. And we've seen, like, we all said it too. Like, Logan was the guy that was supposed to come in and do really good things because he was Scott's guy. He knew Scott Scott's offense. And Casey was kind of a perfect meld between what um, Scott wanted to run and what Mark wanted to run. Mm-hmm. Or Whipple, sorry. I mean, Mark is his name, but I'm clarifying. I'm clarifying. <laughs> I'm clarifying. But, you know, we thought, you know, Casey'd be perfect. Well, but then you, it, it, you, you hit on this perfectly is that we don't, have any development there right as in we have casey and after that we have apparently we're throwing darts at the wall to see who we get and i'm like what is i i'm is with it you. is it masker the one that calls the place isn't he the one on the sideline the green jersey calling the plays or like at least relaying the place to the quarterback i think so that sounds right that that doesn't make any sense and then you're gonna throw jared sinek i think is his name is who Mickey threw out today has been practicing with the twos. I'm like, you're going to throw a red shirt fresh freshman in there over a, a junior quarterback. That's been in the system already two years. And the fact that we have to say, yeah. we think that's his name. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard of him <laughs> until today. That's not a, that's not a fault on him. He could be a great quarterback. Uh, just, right. It doesn't make any sense in the, in the de- decision making de- yeah. point. Why? I arguably, I arguably have more faith in him than uh, Masker Harbaugh. Uh, just right. Uh, Mickey actually sees something in him. It's just, but it's just like, why would you have 
I, I, that might be true. That might be a point. We're not at practice. They know that. It's just why, why do we have these guys that have been in the system already that don't even see the light of the field unless it's a spring game? I don't even know if Sina could play in the spring game. I didn't. I was at the spring game. Don't remember much of it, <laughs> other than Trey Palmer and Casey played like one series, and that was it. <laughs> but I just, it's so, it's so laughable at this point that we have. I, I stick by the fact that nobody on the offensive side knows what they're doing. I like, I truly believe that. And I think Whipple is at his point where, like, yeah, I'll call plays in the booth, but I don't care what happens. That's what he acts like. And at the same time, it's you're you have to call what you're given. And obviously our line is very bad because they get blocked for shit. But it's just I don't it's so frustrating that I don't know. Maybe my problem is just with Whipple. As much as I like, I obviously don't want to see him hurt. I hope he's okay, but I just it's so infuriating that they don't show any sort of competency or communication of what is going on. I don't, because when you sent out that roster update, like why is Yaquiz Yant number two? And yet we see Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson more. Why even put Yant on the roster? If he's not going to play, why would you list him as number two? If he doesn't see the field, like wasn't, what Yant, we, wasn't Yant like a couple of years ago too, like the guy that we regarded as like our power back. So like, yes. you put him in for like the power. Yeah. And I mean, I understand we have Grant now, but it's just like, could, I mean, could you imagine the one-two punch of both Grant and Yant? Right. It's I just, mean, I don't... It's really hard to say that really fast, but still, like... I mean, I don't... I don't get it. I mean, I know against Michigan, you probably weren't going to run the ball that much because Michigan's obviously a better defense. But it's at the same time, it's the case of Whipple can't get out of his own way of trying to pass the ball because that's all... That's his MO, is passing the ball. I'm like, dude, you cannot pass the ball with your backup quarterback in a snowy, windy... Or I guess it wasn't probably that windy, but a snowy weather game with your backup quarterback and having to play your third string quarterback who is a running quarterback. But at the same time, I mean, Logan's throws didn't look that great either. Chubba threw behind Trey Palmer three times. Trey Palmer also had three drops, which can't do that if you want to go to the NFL at all. But I don't know. There's just I don't think there's any communication of what the offense wants to do. I, I truly believe that. And it keeps showing up. Um because at that point, like if you know that your offensive line is bad and can't do the simple things like block, then you got to try to scheme your way around that. And we just have not seen that at all. We haven't seen any sort of scheming to try to get around that. They're just going to keep calling the plays and hoping one of them breaks. I'm like, no, you can't do that because it's obviously not working. <sighs> it's fine. Everything's fine. I just don't. It's so frustrating. And the fact that, you know, coming up, our next two games are against conference opponents we haven't beaten since like 2012. We've lost eight straight to Wisconsin. We've lost seven straight to Minnesota or uh, Iowa. And those are the two teams we have to play to finish out the season. And I'm like, it's all, it's the whole program is all, is a laughing stock right now. And I just, it's going to take so long to dig yourselves out of this hole. And as much as, as much as I want to keep buying it, and I still will buy in because I'm a Husker fan. I'll always be a Husker fan the rest of my life. And I'll always watch the games. 
But at the same time, it's like, at what point are you just fed up with the product that like, you're not going to keep going to games. You're not going to keep throwing money at the athletic department because of what you're given is not worth the return of investment. And it's not, I mean, what we're being shown is like the worst team we've had in quite some time, all because of Scott. And I know we've said, like I've said it before is like, we are going to feel the ripple effects of his tenure for years in years it's just what he left and what he gave this program is so bad it's worse than mike riley and mike riley had some dudes believe it or not <laughs> also the last winning season at nebraska <laughs> but at the same time i mean mickey has not once blamed scott at all for what was left to him and yet for the first two years that's all scott did was blame mike riley it's like, oh, is this last coaching staff's problem? Once we get our guys in, we'll get them going. Got got his guys in, and we were f- worse than before. He also had the fantastic quote, I think, when he was announced as head coach, which at the time I remember being excited about, but looking back was really stupid, was, <laughs> you know, how are you going to adjust to the Big Ten play? And he Scott's, oh, response, yeah. was, Scott's response was, we're going to make them adjust to us. You know, at the time it was hype. Ten. At the time it was hype, and I understand what he meant. You know, he's like, "Hey, you know, instilling confidence." I get it, but like, no. <laughs> Whoever is announced as the next head coach, whether it's apparently, supposedly, it's supposed to happen next week, according to rumors. But whenever, whenever it happens, as long as they say the stuff that's like, "We've got a long way to go." Have faith. You know, the simple stuff, like just you know. I don't I don't need to hear buzzwords. I don't need to hear things like that. I just want to hear I don't necessarily want to hear the plan because I don't care because he's the whoever comes in is going to have a whole off season to figure it out. But until they get there, you know, we have two more games that we have to to watch and it's going to be uh, we all know it. it's gonna brutal. Be <laughs> it's going to be rough. I would I would love to be wrong about everything I just said. I would love I would love for the new coach to come in and be like Give me, give me a big old middle finger. Be like, ha, proved you wrong. And be like, I'll, I'll take that, I'll take that arrow. I'll, I will gladly be wrong if he comes and it proves us wrong. But I just, I don't know how you can realistically look at this current team of what's going to be returning next year and think this team can win more than three games and get you to a bowl game because right now it cannot. And, you know, I know it's going to be a roster turnover. I know there's going to be new players coming in you know, to try to help and fix this thing. But I mean, even if you get some of those new players and plug and play, I mean, you still can't realistically look at that and be like, Oh, that's a bowl game right there. If Casey stays and I hope he does, cause we know that our backup quarterback room is not good at all. So you got to look at it as like, you don't even know who the starter is going to be next year. And I feel like if Casey, you know, goes somewhere else or, you know, tries to go to the NFL or anything, I think you're going to be in the same position of trying to look for another portal quarterback to just kind of help you jumpstart this for a year or two. But I just, I don't know. We don't know how good Richard Torres either. You know, he might be really good, but that's also brought in for Whipple's offense, which is not going to be here next year at all. It's just, I don't, I don't know. I think I'm done ranting, but I'm not 100% sure either. 
<laughs> I just I just needed I needed to get something out that was it's just, it's been bothering me so much because I don't know how you can look at this team and think you know, yeah, you know, there's so much Kool-Aid that we can we can optimistically you know, go in and beat Wisconsin and beat Iowa. And if we had a competent line in Casey 100%, I would say, yeah, probably sure. But it's, there's just so much that has gone wrong with this team. It's so much that has gone wrong with this entire year that the overall arching theme is we suck. We're going to suck for quite some time until whoever the new guy is can pull us out of the depths of hell. And <laughs> I in don't theory, know. In theory, in theory. there still might be more below rock bottom that we don't already know <laughs> if that existed that we might find out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, if any of you, I, I don't know. That's literally how I feel. It's like I said, it's just like a psychotic laugh that is inside of me because that is all I can do to get like the pain away. It's just to laugh it away. <laughs> so well, I'm going to, I'm going to let you go before I interject. Cause I, <laughs> cause we, anybody that's listened to us the last couple of weeks knows I can also ramble and I don't want to take, I definitely don't want to take away from any of those points cause they were all great. So I want to go, Unless Nate wants Nate to dive do. right into <laughs> Deion Sanders to Nebraska. Ooh. <laughs> That's already been disputed, but. <laughs> Nothing is hey. disputed in college football. Right? You just went- I heard uh, someone saw Nick Saban at the Raising Canes downtown. Oh, my God. <laughs> we loved it. <laughs> I think I think I had heard about uh, Urban Meyer at one of the high V's in town. There in Lincoln, <laughs> I can personally see him, but I think Urban Meyer. From my understanding, at least of Twitter, when it comes to the new coaching hires, we've got we've talked to <laughs> Urban Meyer, Mark Stoops, uh, Lance Leopold, Matt um, Rule, Dave Aranda, Matt Rule, and apparently, you know, like I could I could probably name off three or four more. They're just not coming to me right now, and so. Are they all just in town for a powwow, and then like this is just a celebrity <laughs> death match to see who gets the who gets the job? Which also, can we just be honest? If that was the case, like you just throw them all in the boxing ring, be like, all right, whoever whoever comes whoever comes out of the Royal Rumble wins. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about Give me the most- Deion Sanders in that in that scenario? I, yeah, I take Deion. I take Dion. <laughs> I don't know. I, I take Dion. I think I think Matt Rule might surprise us with how far he'd get, but I don't think he'd win it. Right. Yeah. And I think to like yeah transition this into like the coaching rumor mill debate. I mean Mickey's comments today on because they asked him about like the head coaching job of you know if you talk to Trev, has Trev talked to you or anything? I think Mickey said something along the lines of like yeah Trev, you know we haven't talked about that. Uh, well, obviously he's going to say that whether it's true or not, I don't know, but um. It was just the tone of how he answered the questions about like getting the head coaching job or like his future at Nebraska was just like very, very unsure. Like it kind of gave off the vibe that like he wasn't going to be the guy and like he knew that too, but he didn't want to like flat out say that type thing. It was just was like he just had a very mellow tone like or like a monotone kind of tone to his answers of, yeah, you know, I know what's out there. And if I get interviewed to get the job, like, yeah, we'll discuss my family and everything. But 
you know, we'll just keep coaching like we're going to coach and recruit for next year. But to me, it just kind of gave off the vibe that like he knows he's not in top consideration for the job, which, you know, goes back to I'm on I'm on the side of like, if you know, it's Mickey or like Matt Rule or somebody that's not currently a head coach, you would want to announce it sooner rather than later just so that you get a head start on getting the coaching staff that you wanted here, getting like an early jump start on recruiting for before the December signing period. And like the longer this goes on and the more rumors come up, the more it makes me think it's not going to be Mickey because in my mind, there's no scenario unless Trev just wants to wait till the Iowa week. We're like, if it is Mickey, why would you be waiting this long still? type thing if trev didn't already have some sort of target in mind or some sort of agreement for like somebody that's already a current head coach there's no sensible reason why you would wait this long to not at least give us some sort of hint that if mickey or matt rule or somebody else that's not a current coach tied to anybody else that they wouldn't be the guy for next year um that's just that's kind of how i'm leaning with the search right now obviously the day-to-day rumors are very fun uh, that's kind of what I live for now, uh, because talking about this team is not very fun, but talking about coaching rumors is very fun because <laughs> like you just heard us talk about, like it's fun to <laughs> the urban Meyer tweet of somebody talked to their barber <laughs> and said that urban was coming here like that. That's the stuff I want. That's what I live for in coaching searches. <laughs> I just, I just want to know who thinks that like, maybe I'm crazy when I think this because you would think if you're a donor and you give this much money to the college, one of the things that comes with like coaching searches at this point is either an unspoken agreement or an actual agreement or an NDA or something that says, Hey, you'll probably know who this is weeks in advance because you're going to be fronting the money for this. Part of that agreement is don't tell people like, (laughs) like also, Barbershop talk. I come from a town of 500 people. That is literally the equivalent of coffee shop talk, which used to be our bakery in my hometown, which is where all the old people and no problems with some of the. I mean, you'd hear a lot of different rumors about different people from the coffee shop. Um, that's the same equivalent. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, the, if it's true, awesome, great, fine. But if it's not true, then why are we talking about it? I, think I did see I did see somebody say this. I don't remember where I saw it. It was either Twitter or whatever. Someone was like, and I don't watch the show, so hopefully you guys have seen it. But apparently they were like, uh, Trev is just being, um, is it Tyrone Lannister or something from Game of Thrones? Where he's giving out a bunch of different names to different people to see who actually is who's releasing <laughs> releasing <laughs> these names to people. And he's like, oh. <laughs> not trusting you anymore. <laughs> like, I love, I, if that's now that would be funny. I actually love the idea if that's the case. But barbershop talk? Are you serious? That's so funny. <laughs> it's what I look for, Zach. It's what we need. I know. I know. So I understand. Tractor season. I know. That's the one thing I'm. Di- I haven't seen a whole lot of those yet. I've seen a couple, but yeah, this, it hasn't been as it widespread as I was hoping. No, it and that's that's the real fun part is flight tracker season, and there's been very little of it. And I'm like, I'm really disappointed because either nothing's happening or no, like everybody <laughs> just doesn't care about tracking it. I'm like, no, I don't want to do. It. I want someone else to do it for me. 
I uh, I think that that kind of goes into the the idea of how tight lipped it's been, though. And on the one hand, okay. I really do like that. Now, flight trackers are different, <laughs> but I have this running theory. I have I don't know why. I just have this running theory that some of these coaches are like going to other like places and they're landing there and then driving to Lincoln just so they don't get tracked. I don't know if it's true, but they're just like, okay, nope, we're going to do this the right way. And like, like, or, or Trev is sending somebody to drive them there, whatever. I doubt that's mm-hmm. the case. There's no way that's the case, but um, who knows? I, I know you can't keep those flights off, you know, the public record. That's right. probably not a good thing mm-hmm. to do. <laughs> but <laughs> I wonder if there's some way that they can ask him to like mask it as something else, like, you know, to the actual people that are tracking flights, like, Hey, mm-hmm. no, this is this flight. Pay attention this way. But like to the public who's tracking these, it's like, ah, this is a flight from, you know, if it's Matt rule, it's from Carolina to California. Cause he's going to visit family or something. Right. I don't know. Parachutes out over Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I made a quick, made a quick detour for a refuel. Uh, <laughs> N- nothing to see here <laughs> that's uh, going back to your point zach about like it being type lipped that is there's like two sides you can look at it is one well, tight lipped except for that barbershop well yeah besides the barbershop talk of course <laughs> how could we forget <laughs> sorry i don't even know which one it is like we can't even point out which one it is no <laughs> oh i conveniently need a haircut uh what what the barbershop you went to again i just i just need to go there and check it out you know <laughs> you can just go to a bunch of them and start just cutting the hair back if for those that don't watch on the video i have my my hair is down to my uh to the middle of my back so i could just you know i i could start doing some reconnaissance i was gonna say just <laughs> just go get like an inch chopped off each each time or somewhere around there and eventually you'll I get back to your short i eventually come back bald i couldn't find it guys <laughs> couldn't couldn't find the barber <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's going back to what you said is like, there's two spectrums. You can look at it is one Trev is either really good at his job of getting people to be tight lipped and shut about it or two that it's Mickey and he just doesn't want to say anything else because it's going to be Mickey. Like those are the two ways that I look at it about why we haven't heard anything from inside like the athletic circle. Because usually at this point, you would maybe get like some sort of leak from within like the inner circles of Trev's department. We haven't heard anything other than like, obviously the barbershop talk. Um, so either Trev is really good about keeping his like corner tight and close or that it's Mickey because he struck out with everybody else and that we're settling for Mickey. I mean, that's how not that I'm saying like we're looking at it as like, always oh, settling for Mickey. It's just the fact that like, you know, he struck out with who we want. So now we just like, we have Mickey in place. So there's no reason to like, let anything leak because there's nothing else to talk about. So that is, that's how I look at the, like the radio silence of right now. Now, obviously, you know, Friday, last Friday, we had the whole Dion day, you know, Sunday night, Monday was kind of Matt rule day. Haven't really heard anything today. I don't think other than the urban Meyer thing, uh, last night which was really funny (laughs) but i think yeah obviously each day we're gonna probably get closer and closer to whatever the announcement may be or what it is and i hope more rumors come out because i want to keep chasing coattails 
of rumors because <laughs> it is a whole lot better than talking about this current team. <laughs> so, Nate, if you have any comments, I know I have rambled and ranted a lot this episode. <laughs> ah, I was just going to say, speaking of the current team, we can go right into. Uh, oh, God, next we have week to see uh, <laughs> Wisconsin. Opens up as a 13-point favorite over Nebraska. Game is 11 o'clock at Lincoln on ESPN, I believe, which is still a little too much national attention for my taste. But well, I want I it know. on Fox Business Channel. <laughs> Fox Sports 14, please. <laughs> Hook it into my veins. Just, just go all the way and just put it on like an illegal Reddit stream or something. <laughs> just make it the official source. Make it pay per view, but make it eighty bucks so that do you really know who the diehard Husker fans are paying for that game? <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of the things you can't do when you make a podcast, Andy, is promote scams. So I don't, I don't think I would be selling that idea. Don't do that. If you guys uh, if you guys want to go to my Menbo, I'll uh, I'll bring a portable charger to the game and uh, live stream from my phone from the stands for <laughs> the game. <laughs> That'll be you, your preview. <laughs> you, you laugh, but somebody will probably think about doing that. <laughs> maybe not to this game, but maybe in the future if we get good again. In a national broadcast that gets you all angles, or you can get just by one angle for the entire game. <laughs> You choose which one's better. I'll I'll provide free. There's no. I'll cuss on mine. There's no FCC restrictions against me. I'll do whatever you want me to do within reason. <laughs> streak. streak, streak. <laughs> I said within reason. I kind of want- lose. We lose by fifty, and Andy's just out there streaking. Across the <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> I kind of want to keep going back to games of the future. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, if he does that and then we win the game, Andy gets invited back to every game going forward. Good luck, Charm. You're a booth, Trev. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> back on track here. Uh, <laughs> No, I think it's going to be rough sledding again. Um, I know Wisconsin's quarterback situation isn't necessarily the greatest, but obviously they have Braylon Allen, who is a fantastic running back, probably running behind a fairly stout offensive line that Wisconsin usually churns out there. Um, So I don't think they'll have too many issues running against us. They're averaging 370 yards per game 170 rush yards i don't think they'll have too difficult of a time doing that against us <laughs> considering we're giving up 191 but um Woo! <laughs> yeah i think it's gonna be a tough game i think i saw somewhere uh defensively wisconsin is ranked about 16th in the nation so not as high as Illinois or Michigan, but still, you know, top 20. So <laughs> definitely not ideal for potentially third, fourth string quarterback going up against if Casey doesn't play. So could be some rough sledding this week again. Um, I believe it's just going to be cold weather wise. I don't think 
as far as I know, I don't think it's supposed to be any snow or anything. I think highs in the 30s or so. But, 36 uh, and s- well, sunny. I don't know if it's going to be. <laughs> I don't know. There might be clouds, but 36. It'll be 11 a.m. It'll be cold. That's true. <laughs> so wear your sweaters if you're at the game. <laughs> you or your first. if you're streaking, nothing. <laughs> Just your trench coat. <laughs> 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 I mean, but, I I want to see if we had any sort of competent defense. You know, bright side, Wisconsin only ran for 51 yards last week against Iowa. Now, Iowa's defense is like top three in the country. So aside from that, you know, if you have any sort of competent run stop, you can kind of stop them. Graham Mertz is not a great quarterback. Neither is Peters mm-hmm. for Iowa, who those are our next two quarterbacks that we're playing. If we really don't take a hold of Iowa's offense and take advantage of that, then like we truly do. I mean, we suck, but like we're truly going to suck more because Iowa's the like two of Iowa's touchdowns, or I guess points against Iowa were or against Wisconsin were like from their defense and special teams. They only scored one offensive touchdown, and Wisconsin obviously only scored one touchdown because they scored ten points. But they're, I mean, I think you have to create some sort of stoppage or just turnover on defense this week for Nebraska. I think that is like, and I've said that the past couple of weeks is like, you know, your offense isn't going to do anything because we're playing on like backups now, essentially everywhere. I mean, the only way to get some real momentum and get some spark within this team is like, you have to get a defensive turnover or defensive touchdown or special teams, turnover, touchdown, whatever you want to call it. I think that's like the biggest key is you have to create some sort of disruption on defense to keep yourself in the game. And I know I said that against Michigan, which, you know, that was only going to take you so far if that even happened anyways. But, you know, I mean, these next two offenses are not very good, except we're just bad. (laughs) So that's the caveat. (laughs) But I don't. Yeah, I mean, as long as we don't let Braylon Allen break like Jonathan Taylor or Melvin Gordon's rushing record against us, then I think it's considered successful. I yeah, <laughs> or Matze Ball. Yeah, I just if you don't let them break their historic rushing records against us, like we always seem to do, I, you might manage in there. I don't think I'm not saying we'll win, but you you hold your ground and make Graham Mertz be the terrible quarterback that he is. I think you give yourself a shot. But I don't I have much more of the keys for that. So those those are my keys to the game. <laughs> uh, other than uh, don't suck, but I know that's already going to happen. <laughs> it's the Nebraska way. Uh, unfortunately, it's a Nebraska ability, guys. <laughs> when is that going to turn positive for once, though? Uh, as soon as as soon as that happens, we probably have to change the name of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know for me, obviously, it's tough because we're all kind of succumb to the idea that ah, oh, you know, we're Nebraska. We officially officially suck. So I mean, the keys to the game for me are just seeing a little more fire than we did against Michigan. Uh, I know we talked about that last week, like how many players are playing. 
um, which kind of goes to your point, Andy, which this goes way back, but you were talking about whoever comes in is going to have to rebuild from the ground up basically, which mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think we're, uh, the problem is with Nebraska, you're, I think you're working with split fan bases, which you got people that are our age who may have been on the fringe of when we were good and remember just vaguely like myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but then since then it's just never really hit the same. Um, but then you're also dealing with the older generation, um, people that are older than us that were like, Oh man, I remember when we were really good. We need to get back to that. And it's like, okay, but everybody's got unrealistic expectations kind of right. across the board. And it's like, I think there are a collective group of people that do think that we can get there. But what we're looking for is a bowl game. Like let's go right. to a bowl game. Then let's go work from there. Let's maybe then go to the big 10 champion. Like, you know, we're like, let's, let's stair step this. Let's not, you can't just assume 90s greatness is going to come back because I don't think 90s greatness is going to come back for Nebraska. No, and that's it's, it's, soon. <laughs> and it's just like the comparison to that is like the NBA of like, you know, uh, the Magic Larry year, the Jordan year, and then the current NBA. Like, you cannot compare those generations because those are three different styles of generation, three different styles of like basketball play. Same thing with us, like the 90s, 80s, 90s, Nebraska, completely different style of football play than it is modern college football. You get, I mean, the Big Ten outside of Ohio State is like a running conference, but Ohio State plays the spread really well. But outside of that, I mean, modern college football is like a spread, like either spread or pro style offense where it's, offense is more of a key component of just you know throwing the ball more rather than running the ball more which we did really well back in the 80s and the 90s and i think like you said zach like that older generation fan base wants that i'm like at the same time you kind of got to accept the reality of that's just not what modern college football is anymore you have to adapt and adjust for that that's why you're seeing you know a lot more talented guys that are a lot like scrawny or a lot faster than they are bulking big and, you know, pushing around people on lines. I mean, that's just not how college football is anymore. And it's just the way that college, like even NFL football is viewed now. Um, you know, you never saw in the NFL, like mobile quarterbacks, not like a Lamar Jackson, not like a Patrick Mahomes quarterbacks that can run that kind of style of offense and be mobile and scramble. You had a lot more passing quarterbacks, but now that you're starting to see or like Josh Allen, even you're just starting to see that kind of leak into the NFL. And that's what these kids want to be nowadays is fast mobile. They just want to be like the best player that they can be to get them to the NFL, because that's what like the NFL is turning into. So to a take at least, but I agree with you. I mean, you have to, you have to adapt to what college football is now. And I'm not saying that Nebraska needs to go back to the option. You know, if you sprinkle that in with the talent that you have, cool, that's great. But at the same time, it's just, it's one of those, you have to adapt to what you have. And I don't, but that's the difference. (laughs) As you said, if we sprinkle it in, there's a bunch of people that think that we need to live and die by the option. As it's, soon as we try to do that, we will never win a game again. It's not <laughs> like, I'm just saying. feasible. I mean, I know what Jeff Munkin at Army, I, he's also a rumored candidate, which, I mean, if you want your option quarterback and want your option offense, that's your guy, Trev. Um, obviously, he runs it really well. That's all he runs. Um, it's just, I, it's, I don't know how feasible it is in today's game. If your whole identity is the option, I mean, yeah, you make, keep stop you on the offense but i don't know how feasible it is in today's game that you can run 
an option only offense and dominate people um, because we don't have the line to do that at all. We can't even run a five yard draw or a five yard uh, dive play up the middle without getting tackled in the backfield and met at the line. I mean, you need to be able to have a line that'll push and get off the line, get you those holes open. And we don't even have a line that can do that currently. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, that's, it's one of those, you know, I might've been a little over dramatic of saying you need to be built from the ground up, but that's how it feels. I mean, I feel like there's to me, I feel like that is the only option that is left at this point. It's to like go scorch earth and just restart. You know, it might be a rough couple of years, but at this point, I don't have a better answer of what to do. I don't think we necessarily have to go scorched earth. Right. I think the defense, I think the defense kind of proves the point is that I think we've got the raw talent. We just need to hone it in. But and that's, that's, that's credit to Bill Bush. I mean, there's been significant strides. Board, so there have been significant strides since Bush took over uh, running the defense compared to Chenander. I do. I mean, obviously, you know, they're giving up points still, but I think the defense as a whole has made a lot of improvements since Bush took over. And, you know, that's obviously a credit to Bill Bush and what he's been able to do in such a short amount of time uh, with these players. So that kind of, you know, same thing with you, Zach. What you said is like, you know, the talent is there. It's just you got to be able to develop and coach these guys. And I, Bill Bush has, you know, proved that in just a short amount of time that, you know, you can get some of these guys to step up and play to their potential if they're coached the right way, if they're developed the right way. And. You know, that might have been true for Scott's guys, but obviously we know that none of that ever happened. So if that always makes me wonder, it's like, you know, if you had any sort of competent leadership with Scott's tenure, I mean, things probably play out different Please, Things look different. But, you know, we found out that Scott just is not that guy. That's just not what he did. Um, but yeah, you might not have to be you might not have to go scorched earth or anything like that with a roster rebuild. Um, but you need to have a proven guy to come in that is able to rebuild and develop and coach these kids to their max potential. Um, you know, it's just that I think has to be number one on Trev's mind. Um, cause I don't know. I don't know how else you could approach this is like, that's obviously the most important to me right now is not even the backs or like the talent positions. I think you have to start with the line um, because it's like you had met, alluded before, Zach, like, you know, we thought we were going to come and the big 10 was going to have to adjust to us. Like, no, the big 10 turned right back around, smacked you in the face and said, Nope, you're going to play our way and play our style of football. And we've tried that and we're failing because <laughs> we don't happens. have the guys. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you bring, G5 to mm-hmm. E5 it just doesn't work. It just, it doesn't translate. And yeah, that's just, that's just big 10 football. And that's how it's always going to be. And that's how it always has been. And I think once the leadership and whoever is brought in starts to recognize and accepts that, then it will slowly chart start to translate on the field. But uh, yeah, well, I'm going to get into another tangent here. So I'll give it to Nate. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think those are all really good points, and it's it's going to be definitely a rebuild, but I think there is optimism at least that we can get players out of the transfer portal. If you get the right guys in the right positions, I mean, obviously we're recruiting 
fairly well right now. We've got a couple of those in-state guys offered, like Malachi Coleman. Mm-hmm. There were a couple, couple more that I believe were committing um, from some of the Omaha schools. And so it's not like our trajectory is necessarily a downward spiral. You just kind of, as Zach mentioned, you got to, you got to get the right guys in there to be able to develop those players. You got to be able to get the right guys in there to develop the players we already have. And there's going to be roster turnover. There's going to be guys that are going to leave because this is obviously not necessarily an ideal situation. It's definitely not a good team right now, but and I think, I think they're, yeah, you'll give credit to Mickey on that. I mean, Mickey's been able to, you know, keep that mentality and keep those guys, and because during that transfer period of once a coach gets fired, you have like 30 days to transfer. I mean, only one guy out of the entire team transferred. So, you know, credit where credit is due. Mickey has been able to maintain that mentality and keep those guys in. And whatever he's telling them is working to keep them in the program. You know, obviously we'll see what the next head coach, whether that's Mickey or someone else can keep them in. But, you know, that's good on Mickey for being able to do that at the same time. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, yeah, he'll be able to, I don't know. I think, I think whoever it is, if it is Mickey, if it's not Mickey, they're, they're going to have the work cut out for him. But I think it's still reasons to me that there is hope, at least for the future. <laughs> it'll, it'll be a rebuild. I'm not going to say it's going to be an instant turnaround, but I mean, there are, there have been teams like Tennessee and like TCU that, all it takes is the right coach. It is. It's so possible. Tennessee is obviously the proven factor here Mm -hmm. is if you get the right guy in there, like you said, they like it can work and it can pop. We were just so blindsided. And obviously all of us are guilty of this too, of the golden boy coming home. We were so blindsided by everything else that was wrong with him just because we wanted to keep a homegrown boy here. And that I think is like the frustrating part within me is like, Nobody, nobody on the outside was able to realize this sooner until Triff got here. And well, I, if the rumors on that are true, though, and again, I don't know, Trev wanted to get rid of him last year. And the and, reason that they didn't get rid of him is because there were some boosters that were like, no, we need to keep him. We need to give him more time because you saw how close he was. And I mean, that's unfortunately, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because I, I could see both sides of the argument. The problem mm-hmm. is, is that. In year four, the fact we were going three and nine or whatever, or yeah, whatever shouldn't happen in three, four, it's, it's, we shouldn't be look at how close he is at year four. So in my, def- obviously with hindsight being 2020, mm. Trev is probably sitting there like, see, I kind of told you guys, but you know, I mean, again, I don't know if any of that's even true, but that's apparently the, the talk is that he wanted to get he wanted to let frost go at the end of the year because he was like i see that there's a lot more potential here mm-hmm. and and again I, I know i alluded to it but i think we've got the raw talent i think it's being developed incorrectly mm-hmm. and i that goes all the way back to the strength and conditioning that also just goes back to getting guys that not fit for the the conference as in you know i i think everybody can probably agree that our lines are um not great and so whoever comes in next, like I think you both have said it, should focus on the trenches. You mm-hmm. can you can win a game with someone. And I mean, I don't have a problem with 
Chubb as a quarterback or Logan Smothers, you can win games with guys like them if your line can protect them. Mm-hmm. They might not look the greatest. They might not play the greatest. They might not even put up a great quarterback rating if you're into that. But if your line is able to protect the quarterback and open some holes for a running back that even is just a two or three star, your skill positions, while still important, are should not be the entire focus in the Big Ten specifically. And it's very clear, if you've watched Nebraska at all, that we need to flip what we're thinking on. It's Yeah, I mean, you look at the past three games, Illinois, Minnesota, Purdue, uh, not Purdue, uh, Michigan. Those games were won by running the ball with your cowbell running back, and that is it. I mean, obviously, I know their quarterbacks burned us a few times, but like the overall theme of that is like, they ran the ball 25 plus times with their star running back and they just wore us down and they killed us in the trenches. And that is all they needed to do was win those games was just to run the ball straight at you, make it and be like, okay, we're going to keep doing this till you stop it, which goes back to the nineties. That's all we did in the nineties. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to run the option until you stop us. Like I know there's a tale. Like my dad always tells me this too, is, you know, there was a time, that the offensive line would come out, tell the other team what play they were running because they knew they could still beat them, even though the defense knew what was coming. I mean, that's just how good those teams were not saying, obviously, you know, if you do that now, it's probably stupid anyways, but (laughs) it's the same concept. It's like, if you get, like you said, Zach, those games are one in the trenches and you don't need a five-star running back. You need a two or three-star running back in the backfield that can develop into just a big bulky running back and just run it straight at you and run over your linebackers and get two to three yards after you get hit. I mean, there are times where you stop, we stopped Blake Corum in the back, like at the line or the backfield, and he would just kind of push forward for another four or five yards just because he just kept turning his legs just because that's the kind of player he is. Um, he's a is, perfect example too. I mean, yeah. he's, he's higher than a two or three star. I know that. Right, but yeah. Like, mm-hmm. But like he is Five eight, I think they said, and yes. two hundred ten pounds of muscle. He is small, and he just he's, runs at you because he knows like he's going to bulldoze you over. Until he's you comparable stop him. to he's comparable to like Danny Woodhead who played at Shatteron State, mm-hmm. and it's like he went to the NFL. Okay, I, I, again, I'm not saying skill positions are not important, but how do you think that they got that way? Right. Look at the. I mean, I I didn't watch Shadron State football. I don't know about them specifically. <laughs> Danny Woodhead might have just been freaking awesome. Might have been on good. Top of the fact, <laughs> but like Blake Corum, while still very good, mm-hmm. has a line to follow. And I mean, he in that that's credit to them. They've obviously built their team up correctly. But right. It's just like, ugh. which it's... I think goes back to the whole whoever comes in though. I think the transfer portal is going to be a big deal because it's going to have to be, especially with how much you got to fix holes until you get what you want implemented. And I know I've used this example multiple times throughout our talks of, um, you know, this season. Um, and I know looking back on it, this it didn't quite hold up as well as I thought, but Mel Tucker is an example of somebody that came in and turned it around right away. Now mm-hmm. he didn't turn it around great because they're not doing as good this year, but I, I think you, I think we might see, the fir- yeah, I think we might see a chance of going six and six next year. I, it's very optimistic, I think, because again, I think if if we get the right guy, we get some hype behind the guy, whoever it may be, mm-hmm. will generate will generate enough hype to keep some of these kids here, and 
play for whoever it is. Because I also have this suspicion that Mickey, while you alluded to, he sounded uncertain mm-hmm. of being the head coach. That's kind of fair. I, I think I don't think he was in over his head. He was just dealt a really shitty hand. Right. But I think Mickey could be a good head coach someday. And my running mm-hmm. theory is that whoever's coming in is going to have him as potentially like a wide receiver coach or still the assistant head coach and, you know, teach him what to do and maybe take over if that's what he wants to do. I don't know if that's what he wants to do, but I, know. I would love to see it. I know I think he's got great intangibles <laughs> around everything else. So. I know I said, I know I sent to you when the urban Myers or like the urban thing started to flare up. I know I sent to like sent that to you guys as a joke of, Oh yeah. Urban's going to come in here for like two to three years, groom Mickey to be the head coach. And then he'll take over purely as a joke, just because I'm like, well, yeah, like the trade-off is that Urban comes in to do that, but it gets Mickey ready to be a better head coach than he is now. Now, who knows how much truth of that is with whoever Trev hires, but you know, if it, if it is Urban and he does Which, that, genius plan. If that works, then great. But I, I would, before I would we... to be wrong, and just, I would love, yeah, if it works, I'll be wrong. I don't care. Absolutely. Before we get to our score predictions, though, I feel like we should we go around to? and see. Eh, might as well. I mean, we've been doing it all year. I know. I feel like we should go around with the three of us and just kind of put out who we think is the next head coach. I know they're all rumors. Mm. I know we have nothing inside. But, <laughs> I mean, the smoke for me right now, I- I'm convinced it's probably rule. That's Same. I think it's rule. There's, I've what you've gone back before, Zach. Is when there's smoke, there's fire, and there's been too much smoke. Nate, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think there could still be a few guys in the running. I I still want Aranda, but it's yeah. there's too much smoke to believe that Rule doesn't have a legit shot at it. Aranda so, uh, supposedly, Bible. right? Supposedly too. I've I mean, supposedly the, uh, they were supposed to announce it this week is what they were saying, but uh, I could say that every day then, <laughs> and not do it. <laughs> well, and then the the UVA and uh, University of Illinois, the shootings that happened. Idaho. Idaho. Sorry, I, I misread it. You know, people were speculating that which agreed if that was the reason they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that supposedly it was supposed to happen then. But anyway. Back to what you were saying, Nate. Sorry. I just wanted to make sure uh, I got that in there. <laughs> I've heard uh, Mark Stoops, too, is yes. gaining, gaining some traction just because his time at Kentucky has not been <laughs> as as great uh, this season, at least, under the loss to Vanderbilt last week. So you know who's at least wild. in the running. I know that's Nate wild. has always hated this option, but the one person that's lost a lot of steam is Bill O'Brien. <laughs> I swear, if You're we welcome. if we hire Bill O'Brien, then I will like. Hey, I I don't think he'd be the worst option that we could get because no, plenty that are worse. But my <laughs> goodness, remember when his name was like a big talk at the time, and then like that is subsequently cooled. Well, I mean, of course, though he's like coming. Who from had Alabama. the <laughs> Of course, he was a hot name, though. He's coming from the school of Nick Saban of coaches who coached right. him, like, <laughs> like. 
but t- turns out maybe he might not be the guy that we want. Thankfully. Right. So yes, props <laughs> to Nate for the right call there. Uh, but because we're Nebraska, you guys do understand that um, we don't get nice things. And so therefore it'll be Bill nope. Ryan. <laughs> but yeah, is your number one Mark Stoops, Nate, then? Or Aranda uh, still? You have, to, you have to point out a number one. We did it. You have to point out, out a number one. <laughs> who, you think, who you think it's going to be. Not who you want, who you think it's going to be. Uh, Until tomorrow, when everything we say has been debunked. Yeah. It's like, never mind. This doesn't matter anymore. Uh, I'll, I'll go Lance Leipold. Still? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, and like I said, like we had talked about, you know, the the rumor mill is that it's one of, you know, Urban Meyer, Mark Stoops, Dave Arant, like literally all the all the yeah, big name coaches that are <laughs> like everybody else. I saw another tweet. I think it was yesterday that like we're going the opposite direction. We're going to hire all of those guys and have give them all like a total of a billion dollar contract. We're just going <laughs> to we're just going to throw all the money at them. What a juggernaut of a staff that would be. <laughs> Nebraska at that point, like if that was to happen, let's just let's just humor. I officially say now that you're bust. Nebraska <laughs> might be back if we got all of them. That would be scourge by ninety. Natty or bust talk the entire year. Every year. <laughs> I think one of the ones that we I know we talked about, but that has lost steam for not because not because he's been bad or anything was um Kiffin. It just seemed like there was a moment where uh like, I still want him, but I know Nate doesn't. Oh, I a hundred percent I think he'd be great, but I, I I don't think there's any steam from that one anymore. It seems like there was like two weeks where like, oh, Kiffin could come to Nebraska because of his cryptic tweeting. And then all of a sudden everybody's like, ah, oh, he's going to Auburn. Or mm-hmm. potentially like waiting for Alabama or something. It's like, oh well, never mind. Dion, I think, would be the most interesting one. Strictly right. because my question would be, why him over Mickey? And I understand he's head coach at Jackson State, but <laughs> the only thing that he would come with over Mickey, and I say this with because this is just a wild thing to say, is he would probably be the better recruiter over Mickey just because of his name. Deion Sanders would be a huge boon to the program because could rec- of his recruiting prowess. He could recruit here like no other. Oh, yeah. Deion Sanders going to Nebraska would have the number one recruit in the nation to what Jackson State FCS. Yeah. Yeah. Like he flipped the number one recruit in the entire nation to go to an FCS school. I I mean, mean, that's the power he has. His name, his name says it all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the thing is, is he's been coaching well there. Uh, Granted, Mm -hmm. I don't know if we want a G5 to power or like a G5 to power five experiment again. But he'd be able to recruit literally anybody. As in, he he would be able to go to their house and be like, "You can play for Deion Sanders," and it could be a five hundred pound lineman that doesn't have is not going to even mess with the head coach in the sense of like working with him day to day. Outside of maybe seeing him in the hallway, right? Like, I'm not saying. And I mean, Mickey is still also a great recruiter, but I mean, still. Uh, the one if you theory. imagine both of them together. <laughs> Ooh. The one the one theory that someone mentioned why why uh, Dion would make sense is that 
Dion is would use Nebraska as a stepping stone to try to get to the NFL, meaning he would yeah. coach here for four to five years or whatever, try to use that to go to the NFL, which goes back to the if we hired Urban or somebody, which would then use, you know, coach Mickey up. I guess at the end of the day, I just want, you know, I'd like to see Mickey. I think Mickey will stick around regardless in some capacity. I, the the key for me is if he's actually going to be an assistant head coach and right from there. But we he will see. say he would love to stay. So he did. He did. And with the fact that these kids are still like receivers specifically, I know Malachi Coleman is an example. And then I think somebody else mentioned the same thing. I, I'm just terrible with names on these in the recruiting aspect, but the fact that they're recruiting here, even though he's the unknown variable at this point still, says a lot that I think he even I think he knows that he's still going to be retained um, in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, that's obviously with a big asterisk because it could be like, well, the new head coach could come in if it's not Mickey and say, I don't want Mickey Joseph, which looking at his tenure it's, it's and happen. being the which could happen, but also looking at his tenure and looking at um, you know, who he sent to the NFL after working at LSU. Mm-hmm. It might be hard pressed to, unless whoever comes in is going to bring in somebody that's better than Mickey. Right. I'd also argue that, um, that Bill Bush should stay. I think Apple white, the running back coach should stay. And, um, Sean Becton, the tight end. Mm-hmm. Uh, those four, I think I could see them staying. I don't, it's not a guarantee, but I think I could right. see them staying. But. It'd be nice, but who knows? Anyway, would you buy? Would you boys like to get into the Wisconsin scores? And then um, I think we I think we've all rambled pretty good. Unless you guys got any other points you want to touch on? No, I no. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, anything for you? Now let's get into the slugfest. All right. Oh. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll lead us off then because I'm not optimistic at all. Um. So looking, I'm actually going to try to be smart about this one as if, you know, all my other ones have hit so well, um, but 13 point underdog for Nebraska with the over under being 39 and a half. So honestly, that's better than I was thinking it would be for the over under, but, uh, yeah, I, if, if Nebraska just shows up and plays a little bit of fire, I think we could stick with Wisconsin for a while, but we'll eventually just uh, get tired and run out. And it that happens because we just are not the better team. So for me, I'm going to go, let's see here. Let's just look at how Wisconsin's done here in the past. They really haven't scored a whole lot. Well, no, because their offense is run by Grant Mertz. Right, but I mean, even then, it's just kind of surprising that... Uh, we haven't even touched on. This is the uh, the game of the interim coaches. That's oh, true. <laughs> just just kind of realized that. Is it Leonard? Is that who's the... Yeah, yeah Jim Leonard. And he was another name there for a while that was supposedly in Nebraska's and, running, but that one's, mm-hmm. that one's lost a lot of stuff. I, I, yeah. I think that was... Yeah, that was the name until... Chris got fired because people were looking at him as like, oh, we'll pull him away from call Chris to coach. And then Chris got fired. And then we all found out like, oh, this is what Wisconsin's plan was all along anyways. Ah, so Wisconsin Mm -hmm. screwed it up for us then. Thanks, guys. Yeah, always. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so I think 
God, this is tough because Casey practiced today, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play. And if he doesn't play, then we're going with a with backup guy number two, whatever. <laughs> I don't know, whatever his name is. I'm sorry if you listen to us, but I don't remember your name, my guy. Um. Oh man, this is tough. Um. I am going to say that we're, I'm going to be hopeful and say, I think Casey will play and that we'll have a few, I think we're going to score a couple touchdowns. So I'm going to say 14 and they're going to score. Eh, they're Wisconsin. They play us really well. I'm going to say 14, 35 bad guys. 28, 10 Wisconsin. I'm going off the fact that Casey's not playing. And that we get lucky with a garbage time touchdown. Yeah, but we didn't even get that last time. Well, <laughs> you're, you're putting a lot of faith in the idea that that'll happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with the fact that maybe Wisconsin pulls everybody with like five minutes to go and we somehow break a big play and get some life into the game. But yeah, 28 10 Wisconsin. All right. Nate? Um, I think it's over under 39 and a half. Mm hmm. So I'm going to smash Today. the over. No, 38. Under. Under. Over easy. <laughs> Life's too short to bet the under, Andy. <sighs> Unless it hits. Unless it Over hits. easy. I don't like the spread, so I'm going 24-21 Nebraska. Ooh. Whoa. Casey comes back. We got a home game. You know, last, last home game at Memorial Stadium for the year. Senior day. Yeah. I think guys show up. I'm going off the assumption that Casey's not playing. Yeah, we should have waited a couple days to record this, huh? Yeah. <laughs> we might not even know by Thursday either. Yeah, we probably won't. Game time decision, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we discussed a lot, but I don't, you know. Unfortunately, those actually looking for insights to the Michigan game, we uh, wasn't a lot to talk about. Yeah. And going into Wisconsin, eh, at this point, that's probably what the next – the next episode is going to be two when we talk about Iowa. It's going to be rough. But anything else you guys want to touch on before we close out here? Nope. I said my piece. It'll be a similar episode unless Nate's right in Nebraska <laughs> 24-21. <laughs> then we'll have plenty to talk about. We're, yeah. We'll... Memorial Stadium after streaking. We don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> we will... Uh... We will see the outcome. I will say this. If Nebraska wins, I think the three of us will be a lot more positive. <laughs> I, want it, I want it to be like after, like if we win and like, you know, obviously they won't let us storm the field, but like I want there to be like one erratic Husker fan just on the field and like the national TV broadcast get it like, yeah, look at that guy storming the field. It's just some guy running around cheering that we won <laughs> as the teams huddled and gradually like, well, that's Nebraska's version of storming the field is one guy got loose. And <laughs> what do you mean? One guy got loose. It'd be somebody on the staff that's holding the clipboard. <laughs> He's got just running around in circles down the whole field. Oh, it wouldn't would... even be a fan. It'd be some guy that he didn't get loose. He just took <laughs> off from the staff. It'd be Wisconsin. That Probably some me. grad assistant that's been there for like 10 years. Like, finally, we did it. <laughs> He's trying to take down the goalposts. <laughs> Literally climbing. Oh. All right, so Nebraska has to win to see if we're right about that. Oh, God. If they don't, obviously, I'm going to be real disappointed. Obviously, I want to be wrong in my prediction, but 
Oh, I always want to be wrong when I say the Huskers are going to lose, but mm-hmm. it's really tough. But All right. Well, if you guys don't have anything else to add, I'll give you one last go. Uh, no, Mr. Zach. <laughs> All right. As always, Scurs by 90. Um, but as also, as always, on top of that, uh, we want to thank everybody for the continued support that we have received uh, throughout this uh, throughout this very long, very brutal uh, season. Um, hopefully, as we come towards the end, uh, we have a lot more positive news to talk about, and then next year will be an even more positive outcome. But we will see. But uh, if you want to interact with us at all, please look us up on our socials. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for the three big ones, at least. And uh, well, who knows? We might we might uh, venture out, maybe become TikTokers. Um, oh, <laughs> we'll see. Oh. We'll see. But um, again, thank you, thanks everybody for all the continued support. We do appreciate it. Uh, please interact and let us know your thoughts on things. Uh, any any kind of input you want on the show, we we look to you guys. So um, reach out there. And as always, I will leave you with our favorite favorite phrase, which is, if it's a possibility, it's a Nebraska ability. <laughs>